as you know, the Babylonians took many of the Jews into exile. Persia then took over. And so now these Jews in exile are under the, the, the reign of the king of Persia. So he gets rid of his wife. He wants a new one, so he holds a beauty pageant. And he picks Esther. He just didn't know that she was a Jew. Before long, the king's right-hand man sets up a plan to kill all the Jews. So Esther's cousin Mordecai sends a message to Esther that, that she should use her influence with the king to get the king to protect those Jews. And that's where we pick up our story today. If you have your copy of scripture with you, I want to invite your attention to the book of Esther. Esther is kind of small in the Old Testament, so if you find the big book of Job, turn left. All right? It's right between Nehemiah and Job. And when you find the book of Esther, let's look at chapter 4 as we begin at verse 11. Mordecai has uh, sent a message to her. They're not able to talk together, but he can, he can send messages, you know, kind of like in, in middle school where you got, you got somebody to go talk to the girl for you, you know. So he's got, he's got people running back and forth talking to Esther. And we pick it up in chapter 4, verse 11, all the king's servants. This is what Esther is saying in her response to Mordecai. Mordecai sends a message, hey Esther, get the king to, set us, to, to, to protect us, not to kill us. And this is her response. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law to be put to death except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter so that he may live. But as for me, I have not been called to come into the king these 30 days. She says, there's a problem, Mordecai. I can't go talk to the king because I've not been invited to do so. And if anyone dares to go to the king without that invitation, there is every possibility that the king will have him killed. The, the tradition was kind of, kind of odd, really. If the king called, invited someone to have a, an audience with him, that was fine. But if you just showed up hoping to see the king, he could hold his scepter to himself and you'd be killed. Or he could choose to point his scepter to you, which meant it was okay for you to enter. And so she's saying, if I go, there is every chance that he'll put me to death. As we read these next few verses, I want you to notice the first thing that we can learn from Esther, our hero of faith, and that is that God has a plan that God has a plan. Let's pick up the story now at verse 12. They told Mordecai what Esther had said. Then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, Do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. 
In other words, right now, the king's right-hand man is working on a plan to kill all the Jews. Mordecai says, if you go in to see the king and he kills you, you're dead. If you don't go in to see the king, we're all dead anyway. You're still a Jew. You're still going to die. It's pretty logical, although kind of heartless. He says, uh, then verse 14, For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. For such a time as this. Mordecai says, hey, Esther, think about this. It very well could be that God has been at work all along bringing you to this very moment. What are the chances that the king would get rid of his queen, that the king would hold a beauty contest, that the king would pick you out of all those others. What are the chances that you, a Jew, would now have an opportunity to have the ear of the king? What are the chances? Mordecai is saying to her, it is more likely that God has been actively involved in this whole process. You see, he says to Esther, you see, you have been brought to this place for such a time as this. I want you to think about that for just a minute. Where are you in your life right now? What's happening in your life? You do not have the job that you have by coincidence. You don't live in your neighborhood by accident. If you are a part of God's kingdom, then you are a part of his purpose and his plan. You live next door to whomever you live next door to for a reason. Your in-laws are your in-laws for a reason. You make friends with the people that you hang out with at the bakery, the coffee shop. They show up on certain days for a reason. Now, it could be that your whole purpose is to get to know their needs so you can pray for them. It could be that God is going to use you to specifically intervene to be helpful in ministry in some way to them. I don't know the details, but I know that you are where you are. You are who you are for such a time as this. God has, has been working his plan in your life to bring you to such a time as this. Ephesians chapter 2 reminds us that we are his workmanship Workmanship, that means that he, is, he is, has created us as an artist might create a sculpture. 
He has created us. We're his workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works. We are created in Christ to do something. We're created in Christ for good works. And those good works are those which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has a plan. He has a purpose. And if you are in his kingdom, then you have a part in that plan and that purpose. Mordecai was explaining to Esther, it very well could be that you are in this position for just such a time as this. Not only do we learn from her that God has a plan, but we also learn from Esther that we can be courageous we can be courageous. If we pick up the story now at verse 15. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai. Remember their messengers going back and forth. So she says, tell Mordecai this, verse 16. Go gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf. And do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my young women will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Again, God is not specifically mentioned, but we see him actively involved as Mordecai says to Esther, God has brought you to this place. And then Esther says, okay, I'm going to accept this challenge, but in order to be ready for it, I need to spend some time fasting. This, there's a clear reference to praying and fasting to God. Otherwise, it wouldn't be included there. So she says, I'm going to be fasting, and I want you guys to fast with me. Let's all pray about this thing. And then she says, and once, we have, once we're prayed up, once we're ready, I'll go talk to the king. And if he kills me, so be it. There is courage, there is conviction when she says, I will step up and do that for which I've been called, for which I've been prepared. I'll do what God brought me to do for such a time as this. And if it doesn't go our way, so be it. I'm going to do what I believe is the right thing to do. You see, Esther could be courageous for three reasons. Because she knew it was the right thing to do. If somebody didn't do something, then the Jews would be wiped out. If somebody didn't do something, then, then all of uh, God's people would be killed. And so it was the right thing to do. So she could be courageous. She could also be courageous because she knew it was important. It, it, those things that are low priority don't require much courage. It is those things that are most important that require most courage. And because this was of such great importance, she could step up and be courageous. And third, she could be courageous because she knew it was God's will. She knew that this is what God wanted her to do. And when you and I commit ourselves to serving the Lord Jesus Christ, and then we understand what it is he wants us to do, we can step forward with great courage and do it because we know we are serving him.
we know that the God who is the God Almighty is with us, guiding us, has prepared us, and will walk through this experience with us. We can be courageous. In Deuteronomy 31, we're reminded that the Lord goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Wherever you're headed next, God's already there. If you're a child of God, you need never fear because your Father is with you wherever you go. Romans chapter 8 says it another way. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And you know that Abba is a, a, a personal, um, a very um, close word for Father. It's like Daddy. And it is because of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that we are adopted into His family and we can call God Almighty Daddy. Once we understand that, then we can stand with courage and do those things that he calls us to do. There's an interesting incident that happened during the victorious march of Alexander the Great, who conquered the known world for the Greek Empire. There was a young soldier who became scared in the heat of the battle. And because of his fear, he dropped his sword and his shield and he, and he ran away. An officer dispatched several soldiers to go and, and, and apprehend the fleeing soldier, brought him back to face execution. The soldier was caught and sent to Alexander for trial. And Alexander the Great looked at the frightened young man and said, what is your name, soldier? He replied, Alexander, sir. Alexander the Great replied, young man, change your ways or change your name. In an act of mercy that was seldom seen from Alexander, he then said, soldier, return to your unit and show the courage that your name implies. And I would say to you this morning that if you take on the name Christian, you're carrying the name of Christ. And I would encourage you, if you carry the name of Christ, then live life with the courage that that name implies. You are a child of God if you're a Christian. You call the creator of everything that exists, Daddy. Therefore, you can have the courage to do what he calls you to do because you know he's with you. We learn from Esther that God has a plan, and because he has a plan, we can be courageous. And we can be courageous because we have access to the king. The third thing we learn from Esther is that we have access to the king. Let's pick up the story in chapter 5. Beginning at verse 1 of chapter 5, on the third day Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the king's palace in front of the king's quarters. 
Remember, she has already decided once and for all, I'm going to do this thing. If I die, I die. But I have to do what is right. I have to do what's important. I have to do what's God's will. So I'm going to go and talk to the king. And so she, she dresses up the way she's supposed to. And she goes to the, to the inner court there. He is sitting uh, just inside his quarters, the last part of verse 1. While the king was sitting on his royal throne inside the throne room opposite the entrance to the palace. And when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court, she won favor in his sight. And he held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. Then Esther approached and touched the tip of the scepter. The king said to her, what is it, Queen Esther? What is your request? It shall be given you, even to the half of my kingdom. Because she had the courage to do what she knew was the right thing to do, even if it might cost her life, she was willing to do what she knew was the right thing to do. And the king points the scepter in her direction. You remember we talked about that just a moment ago. What that means is I'm going to let you come in and talk to me without killing you first. And he pointed the scepter in her direction and she then stepped forward and the traditional response was to touch the end of the scepter. It's a lot like kissing the ring of, of someone important. It is, it is a, an act of humility that says, I recognize your authority over me. You're the one with the scepter. You're the one who has the power of life and death over me. And so she moves in and touches the scepter, is accepted into the throne room, and he says, tell me what you want. I'll give you what you want up to half of my kingdom. Esther was there for such a time as this. She saved her people. She saved the nation of Israel. How? What great deed did she perform? What great act of courage? What brilliant and brave plan did she carry out? She asked. That was the great plan. This tremendous deed that saved a nation, by the way, the nation from which would come our Messiah. The great, big, huge thing that she did, she asked, King, would you please not kill us? And he honored her request. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Let us draw near to the throne of grace. We can follow Esther's example as she went into the throne room and asked. You and I can do that with our king as well. We can enter his throne room and ask. I've I've had a number of uh, ministry assistants through the years and uh, not long after each one came on board, uh, I made sure that each ministry assistant knew 
one thing, and that is that when I'm on the phone, I need the ministry assistant to take a message or to, or to uh, ask people to wait if they walk in the office or whatever's going. If I'm on the phone, then everybody waits until I'm off the phone, with one exception. If my daughter or my wife calls, they get immediate access no matter what's happening. It doesn't matter who's in my office. It doesn't matter if I'm on the phone. If my wife or my daughter call, they get immediate access. Why? Because that's my family, and my family will always take priority over my job. You and I, if we are children of God, if we've accepted Christ, if we have been empowered by the Holy Spirit to call God Dad, we have instant access to the throne room. We've been provided that because we're family. 1 John chapter 5, this is the confidence that we have toward Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. That word confidence is a great word because what it means, the word confidence means many words. In other words, we have great confidence that we can tell God anything. We can tell Him anything. We have direct access to the King and we can share with Him whatever's on our minds. Let me ask you a quick question. You recognize this person? Who is that? Come on, I know not everybody's asleep. Who is that? That's right. That's John F. Kennedy Jr. You, don't you love this iconic picture? The most powerful man in the world at work doing his thing. And right there in the Resolute desk in the Oval Office, the little boy gets to play. What would happen if I went into the Oval Office and I climbed under the Resolute desk? Because I don't have access. Beloved, if you have trusted Christ and you call God Father, there is nothing that you can't talk to him about. You have direct access to the most powerful being that ever has existed. He is the God of all the gods, the King of all the kings, the Lord of all the lords. And you can go directly into his throne room, sit at his feet, and tell him any and everything on your mind. Not only do we have Esther's example, but think of some of the other things we have. She had laws against her. We have promises for us. She was not allowed to come since she had not been called, but we are not only called, but commanded to come. She had no friends to go with her. We have an advocate seated at the right hand of the Father already interceding for us. She was trying to speak to a king who conquered her people. We get to speak to our father who loves us and calls us his own. Why then 
would we even hesitate to go directly into the throne room to talk with our Father. We can learn from Esther that God has a plan for our lives, that we can be courageous because we have access to the King. Music